This podcast is sponsored by YBC Real Estate Group. YBC Real Estate Group is a full service brokerage offering a tailor-made service, versatility and expertise for all your real estate needs. Are you thinking about selling, buying, investing or having your properties managed? For more information, check our website, www.yycrealestategroup.com. We are passionate about real estate and we love to support local businesses. We hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Cheers. Welcome to episode 24. Just uh, trying to figure out some technical difficulties here over the uh, online Zoom stuff. Uh, And today we have Mike Domingo um, coming from Vancouver. And Mike um, has, he's the owner of, how do you say, Devlingo Consulting Company? Yeah, Devlingo Consulting Company. Devingo Consulting Company, and he's a software consulting. Is that how you say it? Cons- software consulting? Like, yeah, software consultant. So just like software a consultant. Yeah. Consultant. And uh, you've been doing that for 15 years. Yeah, 16 now, actually. 16 years. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Tell us what that actually is, because I really don't even know what software consulting is. Uh, so essentially it's like, uh, kind of like mercenaries for software. Um, so the best way to put it is like, uh, anytime that a customer doesn't know how to do something, uh, they usually go to large consulting companies in order to figure out that gap in order to, to meet that requirement. So, uh, myself, like I've been in software for 16 years, like I said, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, I've worked, I grew up in Edmonton and I took Nate computer engineering there. And I have a bachelor's in information systems technology as well. And so I moved to Calgary when I was 21. uh, And I would started off pretty much as a consultant right off the bat. And so basically what we do is we go into uh, particular clients and we develop software in order to meet uh, requirements, uh, uh, whatever kind of requirements that they that they need. Uh, So in the last um, I want to say 14 years. My main focus has been in ERP, which is uh, stands for Enterprise Resource Planning, and I basically work with uh, accounting software uh, to um, you know customize this accounting software package to meet uh, all my different customers' business needs between these two systems here. So that would be more like one idea. Um, when I first started, I actually thought I was going to be developing video games, but then in the end, I'm developing accounting software because it just ended up being more lucrative. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. You, um, so you're working with the Microsoft, Microsoft the, uh, the uh, Dynamics? Dynamics? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the, the software package I work with is called Microsoft Dynamics 365 and it's uh, Microsoft's uh, ERP. So they are in direct competitors with um, like SAP, Oracle, JD Edwards, basically anyone who, who requires um, large to mid to large uh, ERP software. So every part of a business, they have financial software put into place in order to track their finances. And so what Dynamics does is that it just helps consolidate all your finances uh, for uh, many different divisions even. So like, um, for instance, like manufacturing, trade and logistics, uh, purchasing, sales, all of that is centralized and all the money comes in and goes out through this uh, this software package. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you allowed to disclose who some of your clients are or no? 
Or what kind uh, of businesses? I can talk a little bit in detail about what they are, but <laughs> just for uh, uh, client purposes, uh, I probably won't uh, disclose their their names. Uh, but I have worked for some large retail companies, uh, some lumber companies. Um, uh, when I was in Calgary, a lot of oil and gas uh, use ERPs as well. Uh, telecommunications, uh, travel. Um, so basically, I've worked in many different types of industries developing software for for them. And that's basically what I love being about a consultant in general. Um, it's basically like allows you to uh, work in many different industries, get a lot of different exposure to different industries and just um, realize that, hey, not a lot of these companies share a lot of similar similarities, despite being in, in many different types of industries. Makes sense. Some diversity nice. in the business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So how did you, were you always had your own consulting company? How did you get into kind of doing your own thing? And um, tell us the story about your move from Edmonton to Calgary and then to Vancouver. Like, why did that all that happen? <laughs> So uh, in Edmonton, um, I, I did my schooling there. And um, basically, I, I was just applying for jobs while I was still in school. And uh, I ended up receiving a job offer uh, for a position in Calgary. And I remember uh, to this day, um, my parents were in vacation in Italy. And I told them, hey, when you get back from vacation, uh, I'm not going to be here. Uh, I'm going to be in Calgary. <laughs> 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 so I actually moved away while yeah. <laughs> my mom was like, well, like I didn't even get to give you a goodbye hug or anything. So, so I thought that was pretty funny, but Edmonton and Calgary is so close together that I was back every, every other week, basically to do laundry and, and, you know, stock up on supplies. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so when I moved to Calgary, like my very first job was a consulting company. Um, and that was actually an internship, uh, in Edmonton, and uh, we were gr essentially graded on our performance. At the time, I had no idea what consulting was, and I thought I was going to be working directly for this company. Mm -hmm. um, and and they ended up like just shipping me off to the government of Alberta to uh, to do testing. And I thought, okay, like I'm going to be testing at the government of Alberta, and it ended up just being like just such a boring job for me because. Here I am fresh out of school and I want to develop and change the world with all my software. I thought I was going to be developing video games and here I am sitting in a government job testing out people's software. So that was to me a little bit uh, like boring, but you know, as an intern, there's not like people are don't, aren't going to trust an intern to develop like large scale software. They might mm -hmm. give you like a small piece of something to do in, in a large project, but uh, you're never going to have that opportunity to really develop uh, anything. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, that was my intern. Um, and then that was in Edmonton. Uh, and then I, during the whole intern process, um, I was applying for jobs and I ended up getting a, a job offer, uh, in Calgary. So I moved there in 2005, 2006. Um, and then, uh, I worked as a consultant in Calgary for two different companies. Um, so I went to, uh, Sierra Systems. That was one of my first companies that I worked for in Calgary. And then I went to another company after a year called Ideaca. And then um, I ended up accepting another position uh, back at Sierra Systems, but for a position <laughs> in Vancouver. So that was actually my second uh, stint at, uh, at that company. Um, and these are all consulting companies for 
for ERP. So I've been specializing in ERP since uh, 2007, uh, which uh, brings it to well, about- what's, ER, what's ERP? ERP stands for Enterprise Resource Planning. So okay. um, any any, comp- any large company uh, essentially requires an ERP. And then what it does is it helps you track your financial, uh, like what comes in, what goes out, right? Um, so uh, every single business is essentially in the business of making money. Like for myself, uh, because I, like my books are really easy to do. My, so my ERP would be something like QuickBooks, right? Yeah. And QuickBooks, uh, essentially, like you can track your uh, your money coming in, your money going out. Uh, you can see your, your expense, expenses, financial dimensions, everything. and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 And it's very easy reporting. Uh, so someone like myself, it's very easy to manage uh, like my own books. But like when you get into mid to large size companies, and you have several different legal entities working within it, um, it becomes more difficult to track. And um, you you need these large uh, software packages in order to meet these needs. Um, so one of, my lum- one of my customers right now, they're in the lumber industry. So they require uh, multiple different systems in order to uh, move like their lumber sales. The lumber sales information needs to move to the ERP So we need to develop this integration layer in between these two systems in order to send information uh, over there because uh, their lumber system here might not directly associate their information over here. So you need to transform that data in order for it to be sent properly over over here. So uh, you create this program for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a collaboration. Yeah. Like you're bridging the gap between like what they need and what how to integrate it into the system. Through, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, That's so in cool. terms of integration, uh, like the development I don't think is very hard. It's the planning process that actually takes a long time uh, because you have to know all the different scenarios coming from here. What are the different uh, what ifs? What is the data coming through? What if this happens? And so you spend, in practice, you should spend about 80% of your time planning it and then 20% of the time developing it. And so that way, when you are developing, you're not going to come into any gotchas, right? Which is funny because this particular uh, project of mine, like we were flying by the seeds of our pants and we were developing uh, like pretty like last minute things, right? Which is, goes against everything that I kind of uh, suggested about integration development. But um, that's just the way that um, that project was running at the time because they were under strict uh uh, timelines and they're just trying to get things done kind of last minute, right? Mm-hmm. Sounds like you're constantly planning like contingencies. Like if this happens, what do we do at this certain point? Like if, if this happens, like what are we going to do at that? Yeah, 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 essentially. Yeah. When did you start like working on your own and like how do you, how did you find clients? Because like to, to me, your job sounds very complex, right? And mm-hmm and unique to a company. How did you get business and, and, and market yourself to, for these companies to start working with you? Like, how do you even approach these companies? Hey, like I have a system, you should use me. This is what I can do for you. Like, like how, how does that work? Uh, a lot of it as a business standpoint for you. Yeah. And you know, like, honestly, I'm very lucky in that regard. So a lot Mm -hmm. of my uh, existing clients were from previous 
relationships that I built, right? So as I said, uh, consultants will have a, a different exposure to many different industries, right? So because I'm essentially starting a new job every year, um, my network is just keeps growing and growing, right? So I've done work for people in like Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. And so like my network is quite large. So uh, working for these large consulting companies or smaller consulting companies allowed me to just network in general with mm -hmm. existing customers. So um, I think it was three years ago, uh, uh, I paid off my mortgage. And mm -hmm. so um, the company I was working for at the time, uh, I just didn't agree with a lot of their uh, business ethics. And like th there was a lot of things I just didn't believe in anymore. So I ended up just quitting my job completely and I went on sabbatical. I actually ended up traveling the world, well, most of Asia uh, for about two months. And when I got back to Vancouver, um, an opportunity just kind of landed on my plate. People, someone asked, like, hey, Mike, I noticed that, like, you quit your job. Like, are you interested in, you know, starting something up? Like, do you want to, to do any work? And I thought, yeah, you know, like my, I've been hemorrhaging money. So I probably need to make, start making some money again in order to, you know, pay for rent, <laughs> yeah. things like that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just kind of started up like that and I've just been heads down ever since. And um, so you kind of, it kind of just came to you after you quit your job. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. So you weren't looking to, to do this independently. Like I, this. I always thought I would be an independent consultant and then like the, it always worried me. Because uh, there are times where you just won't get paid, right? Um, and the nice thing about working for a company is that you're guaranteed salary, right? And it, as an independent consultant, if I don't work, I don't work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, like it's more risk on me to 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 do that. Um, and what I love, well, the, the reason why I wanted to become an independent consultant is to actually take two to three months off a year. And no one can really just say, no, you're not allowed to do that, right? Um, being my own boss allows me the flexibility to say, okay, you know, here's the busiest times. I'm going to work during these times. Uh, but if I want to travel for three months, which I did uh, in 2019, um, then I can do that. I'll just, and the nice thing about my type of industry is that uh, I'm mobile, right? I can do my work essentially anywhere as long as I have a laptop. As long as I have a microphone, I can I can do my work wherever. Uh, so I thought I was going to work in Europe, but that didn't happen. I was having too much fun there. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the hour difference too? Or it doesn't yeah. even matter, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, I, and it, it would be more like I would answer emails here and there, but I wouldn't see calls, right? Because like I was technically on vacation. And I just remember that was my first trip to Europe ever. And I was just like, you know what? This is amazing. Like, who, who I was pretty optimistic thinking I would work like while in Europe <laughs> traveling the world and having the time of my life, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in 2019 where you, you uh, went to Europe. Yeah. Yeah. That was pre COVID. So pre -COVID. good times. Don't yeah. think I'll be doing that anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. That's funny because I think we all did a big trip during that time because Jason's <laughs> in Europe in October. And I was in Japan in September for a month. And it's like, you don't really get an opportunity to do that working a regular nine to five. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, we we were kind of working while we were in Europe too, but it was just so hard to. Yeah. Like, it was like, 
you know, the hours are different. And then like, you don't want to be dealing with work if you're like looking at like some nice history of Europe yeah. or something, right? So you're just yeah. like, I'll just deal with it later, right? Yeah. I remember opening up my email um, and I had something like 3,000 unread emails and I was like, yep, nope. <laughs> not dealing with this now. <laughs> not today. Yeah. Not today. I know you kind of wanted to talk about business ethics and everything. Um, and you, you mentioned that you left your job because of business, business ethics and stuff. Are you, are you, uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit about what you mean by that and, and what you wanted to, to say? Yeah, about sure. Um, so um, like I, like I said, I've worked for many different companies and uh -huh. um, so small companies, medium and large companies. So um the company I last worked for, uh, when I first joined, they were a small company. Uh, so maybe about 200 employees. And they had a lot of things within the company that I, I really believed in. Um, having a small company allows you to be more creative, uh, allows you to, uh, you know, come up with different options in order to uh, produce revenue. Um, so what ended up happening was this small company was bought out by a, a a very large company. So probably like 80,000 employees or something like that. Right. So you can imagine going from about 200 employees to about 80,000 and uh, they're going to try and just swallow up how your company was run. A lot of things were changing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I know it sounds a little ridiculous, but we used to get free breakfast and lunch. Mm -hmm. We used to get free beer Fridays, right. At this company. <laughs> and like, uh, those were very cool incentives, right? Uh, they used to pay for our internet at home too, right? So wow. um, th these things just made it very easy for a person in technology to uh, just work, right? Um, so one of the things that I did at this company, uh, my role there was a technical manager. And uh, one of the programs that I created within the smaller company was a grad program. And so what this grad program would be would uh, be, we would hire people fresh out of school. They would sit down with me for about two to three hours a day, uh, every day for a month. And I would train these people up on how to develop software in the ERP world, in the Dynamics AX or D365 world, as we call it. And after a month, we would send them out uh, to do some support work or very, uh, light work, but enough so that they could be billable, uh, 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 generate income, and uh, just like have some practical world experience. So one of the hardest things as a new grad is finding that practical work experience. So we were providing an opportunity for new grads to come in, get paid, and learn, right? Like there's not a lot of places that would do that. And I thought that was such an interesting idea. It allowed me to be creative and on how I would execute the program. And we turned this into like a million dollar business within a year. We had hired something like um, six or eight people and each of them were billable after like a month. And we were generating after a year, probably like a million dollars in business, which is amazing. So what this large company ended up doing um, is that they started picking a piece, my program, and they wanted to incorporate it into their larger perspective but they wouldn't get that kind of like human touch elements, right? So these people were sitting right next to me and they were able to work next to me, ask me questions, 
but to do it in the digital world, it, it's a little bit different. Um, so I just felt like this large company just kind of started taking away things from, from how my program was run. And it got to the point where after a year, these new grads were definitely not new grads anymore. They're moved from junior to intermediate and we wanted to reward them with, um, uh, a good deed, right. Doing a good job and they, they killed it. Right. And so we wanted to give them a promotion. And the thing that killed me was we gave them a promotion. However, we didn't raise their salaries, but their billable rate went up. Right. Mm. So from a, an ethics point of view, I was just like, so you're telling me we're making more money off these people, but we cannot give them raises. Like, let me ask you, like, that would just destroy me if the, I was in that position, right? They gave me a, a, a promotion, but they don't pay me more. And my billable rate essentially went up by two. So it's a cost saving for the large company, but ethically, I just didn't believe in that. So I just remember the guys, my team, just asked me and said, hey, Mike, when's our raise going to come in? And I'm like, I've been, you know, given the whole... Um, you know, run around uh, through a large company because there's more red tape at this point in a, in a very large company. And I thought to myself, I'm like, guys, like, I want to give you guys this raise. I don't want you guys to quit because like I spent all this time training you and, you know, like I, the last thing I want to do is for you to quit. And so I just remember I, I paid off my mortgage um, and I just remember thinking to myself, man, it's like, man, I really just don't want to work anymore. And um I don't believe in this large company anymore. So I think it's just time for me to just quit and, you know, kind of meditate on life and figure out what it is I actually want to do when I grow up. Right. Here I am at, you know, in my late thirties and I'm trying to figure out what how, I want. Uh, how old are you? Then? Up, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, how old are you right now? I guess that how old are you then? Yeah. Uh, I'm 37 now. And yep. I was, I want to say 34 when I started up. Mm. Yeah, you were 34 when you when you realized you wanted like your beliefs and values didn't align with this new company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Um, and that's when you decided uh, to kind of. Is this when you left, like to start traveling? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I was very lucky that this last company I worked for, their non-disclosure, or uh, was it non-disclosure? Their I can't remember the exact term, but. Uh, non-compete, sorry. Mm. Uh, it was only three months. So most large consulting companies, you're not allowed to poach after a year, but mm -hmm. the company I was working for was only three months. So I was actually able to go into one of my old clients uh, because I was working for them prior to me quitting and they just needed help and they trusted me uh, to help them out with their systems. And so that brings me back to the whole, you know, I've been working all over, um, uh, North America pretty, pretty much. And I developed a, a pretty good network and I'd like to think that I'm good at my job. So, you know, people coming back to me and saying, Hey Mike, can you help me out with this? Um, you know, it, it, it makes it so much easier for me to work with a customer in that regard. Um, so one of the things that I always hated about working for a large consulting company is if a customer comes up to me and says, Hey Mike, can you help me out with this? I had to go through approvals in order to say, yes, I can help you out with this. Right. Whereas like a person like myself, I just want to help out right away. 
if a customer comes to me with a problem and I just want to uh, essentially figure it out for them and on the spot, um, I don't want to have to go through approvals in order to get it done. Um, let's just work it and let's just work together and collaborate and just fix the problem. Right. So uh, me working by myself now, like the only one to approve my work is me. Mm-hmm. And so if my customers say, yep, just do it. Right. I'm coming in at probably like half the price of uh, some of these large consulting companies. Uh, granted that price, like there's a lot more overhead for, for the large consulting companies. So like, of course, HR and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. Like, that my, my rate goes to them and it lines some CEOs pockets too. Right. Mm-hmm. So instead of lining some CEOs pockets, now I'm lining my own pocket. Totally. You're your own CEO now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, how I have a question it's was it a big company? Go ahead. Uh, Sorry, can you repeat was it that? a Japanese one? Was this big company a Japanese one? Uh, were they Japanese? No, no, they were not Japanese. <laughs> okay. I'm just curious. Yeah. One, I, one I of them. Yeah. One of the companies I work for Which was bought one? out by like Ideka was bought out by, uh, Hitachi. So they were technically Japanese, yeah. but th- they were bought out bef- uh, after I quit Ideaka. Okay. I was just curious because my buddy is actually the one that worked for Ideaka too. And he was in that transition of Hitachi. Oh, so yeah. it was the same company. I think I introduced yeah. you guys. I don't think he's reached out to you, but I'll, uh, you guys should connect. I feel like you, you guys are in the same same industry, man. Yeah. Yeah. I've been meaning to reach out to your friend too. I, I've just been so heads down with these projects that like, if I were to introduce more work, I would probably just overload myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was it hard finding, uh, uh, connecting back with your old clients and how did you start building your business and realizing like, Hey, you're on your own now. Like, how did you continue to grow your business to where it's at right now? I had a little bit of a setback due to COVID. Um, So a lot of my clients, like uh, I'm just lucky that uh, over time, a lot of my customers eventually become my friends. Mm -hmm. So it's just very easy for me to just like call them up and just be like, Hey, how's it going? You know, just catch up a little bit, take people out for coffee and so forth. Um, So my business, it's, it's more like, a lot of people ask me, Mike, do you want to expand your business? Do you want to become another consulting company? And I think about it and I'm like, I, I don't really want to at this point. I really like working for myself because it allows me the flexibility in what I want to do. Uh, now, I have my own targets that I want to achieve in general. Um, and a lot of it is more self-learning and uh, self-development more than anything. Um, but... I'm trying to build a brand for myself as the guy who can do everything, right? Like a jack of all trades. So yeah. if you want development, you can, I can do development. If you want business analysis, I can do that. If you want project management, I can do that. And it's more, uh, I'm in a steady state of learning at, at all times, providing my customers with uh, the best possible experience and uh, knowledge that I can, I can give them, right? Um, a lot of the times, the customer only knows as much as they know. And so the reason why they might reach out to someone like me is because I should be able to, uh, you know, fix any of their problems or answer any of their questions. It's, and so it's all about quality and service that you want to provide to your clients. Yeah. And like they're getting the most for their dollar value. Um, and also just, 
um, like kind of putting your own personal touch to all this stuff and, and uh, getting um, like what they need as a, a customer. Right? So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what, what are some things you've learned um, being, you know, kind of going on your own as an entrepreneur and developing your business in the last couple of years, or I guess you're three years in, right? Yeah. Um, and um, with like the impact of COVID, like, yeah. The biggest things I've learned is that software is expensive. <laughs> so uh, my friend and I were trying to put a bid in for this one project. And when you work for a large company, you have a lot of these things easily accessible to you. And like, if you need it, they'll, well, they'll have it, right? So we were putting in a bid for this project. And I think the bid was for like, it was like a $700,000 project. And so we're like, oh, you know, this will be very lucrative for, for the two of us, or maybe even more of us, because um, it was only six months. And so to make potentially $700,000 in six months, like that's incredible. Uh, that's crazy. And, that, and this was something with you and someone else? Yeah, so we were oh, okay. collaborating together. Uh, okay. One of my one of my friends, and mm -hmm. uh, it's it was really easy for us to just work together because we know what our skill sets are, we know what we can bring to the table, and so mm -hmm. to collaborate would be really, really good. So this project, uh, when we started to do this proof of concept or uh, for this project, they, it was almost like a, a code exam. In order for us to even begin the project, we needed to put in an investment of 60,000 USD in order to get a license for the software in order to develop it. So we were like, oh my God, $60,000. That's a lot of money to put into a project that we might not even land. So, you know, the, the biggest lesson I've learned is like, if you have a large company behind your back, you have a lot of backing behind you. You have a huge network of people within that company. And so now working by myself, I'm basically relying on uh, you know, friends, uh, networks, uh, and I'm spending more money now on uh, software licenses, uh, uh, training, uh, because the, all this used to be covered, right? And so now uh, I'm spending more on on these types of things. Um, so uh, uh, you definitely take it for granted when you work for, for uh, you know, a big company and it has mm -hmm. a backbone. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it sounds like you... you it's more riskier on your own, but the rewards yeah. are a lot higher. Yeah. Yeah, for right. sure. Yeah. So what happened with that? Did you guys end up? We didn't want to take a risk. <laughs> What's that? Because <laughs> like that would be, we would be out, God, like, uh, I don't know what the conversion is, at least like over 5,000 CAD each. Yeah. And, you know, to, and if we didn't get the, the project, then, hey, we have this license, but... <laughs> You know, like, what are we going to do with it for the next year? And so typically when I go to a customer site, the customer provides all the licenses. Um, so to put in a, 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 a bid for this project, uh, it would have been pretty hard. And so we we just decided to, to not go for it. We're hoping to do a lot of this stuff, get a lot of this stuff for free through trial licenses, but it just wasn't available to us. What do you mean by licenses? Like, are, are licenses to use, uh, like, programs to help these companies? And, yeah. the, like, a license to basically, like, let's just say, like... So, basically, the way that software works is that you can't just develop software without having some sort of um, uh, program in order to develop your programs, right? And to develop your program, you need these software licenses that you got to pay. So, for Microsoft, they call it... Uh, the MSDN. Um, and so what the MSDN stands for, it's the Microsoft Developer Network. 
And so you pay for this software license. I think it's like $3,000 for this software license. Now that's just to develop um, your basic type of software. What I specialize in is called ERP. And so to get an ERP license is significantly more because you're essentially getting an entire system at this point put in. So ERP is a base package, uh, Microsoft's ERP. It's a base package which provides you access to all these different financial aspects of their software. And so that license was just extremely expensive for this proposal that we might not have even gotten. That's crazy. Licenses that are 60,000 plus. Yeah. Some of these license for like large corporations because um, why is it so much? Like, well, isn't it just the software? It, it is software, <laughs> well, but it, but everything is everything is software as a service nowadays, right? So what software as a service is, is that it's like monthly subscriptions, right? You think of like Netflix, um, you think of um, um, like Photoshop, right? All of these things now are, are subscription-based. And so these software packages, it's like, if you think about it, like, a company that's making a billion dollars. Do you think a million dollars is a lot of money to them? Right. Yeah. And they're more concerned at this point about the integrity of their data. So that's where ERPs are very reliable. Um, and they're just so massive. And so if you're running a, a billion dollar business, you don't want to run it with uh, QuickBooks, which is like a $252 a year or something like that. You want to run it on something that's guaranteed, that's been proven, uh-huh. and you're going to have the support that you get from Microsoft too, right? So if something does go wrong, I can just call them up or uh, create a support ticket to them and have their direct um, access to help me out with whatever issues that they're having. So you're paying for the software, but you're also paying for the support that you get with it. Crazy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of money to be made in software, like uh, tech. Well, it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you paid off your mortgage. And <laughs> you know, granted, like my mortgage in Calgary is it's nothing compared to what I would get in Vancouver. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I could buy three places in Calgary and it still wouldn't be able to afford this condo I'm living in in, in Vancouver, right? Yeah. Like this totally. condo I live in, I think it's like a $950,000 one bedroom condo in Vancouver. And people are like, oh my God, like, <laughs> like that's insane. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I rent. <laughs> yeah. It's expensive down there. Yeah. Um, so what do you guys, what do you plan on doing uh, now? And like, what was the impact of COVID? Cause has that impacted your business a lot, as you mentioned? Um, and like, how's the business going right now and how you plan to, I, I guess, overcome COVID? Cause I, I think COVID is going to be another couple of years or a year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So COVID, uh, it really didn't impact on some of my companies that I was working for or some of my clients, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of them, they're a pretty large retail company and they had to, uh, well, obviously everything got closed down, right? So I think like 300 plus of their retail stores ended up shutting down during COVID, but online was available. But, you know, like that's really unfortunate for uh, all the retail staff. Um, so if these companies are not making money anymore, the first people to go are someone like myself, mm-hmm. all the consultants are out, right? We're going to try and save the employees first. So we're going to stop all your projects. We'll call you if we need you. 
Um, but for now, you're out, right? And so what ended up happening is uh, I ended up leaving that, uh, that project. And then... That sounds like a big company. Yeah, it was pretty big. <laughs> how, did you, how did you get their business? Um, so word of mouth, right? And mm-hmm. I worked for them uh, in the past as well. So mm-hmm. it was it was really easy for for them to just contact me and be like, hey, Mike, like, because I did a lot of work for them before in the past. And so uh, my record was proven to this mm-hmm. company and they heard that uh, I was independent. And so, you know, if they can get me at half the rate, they're going to call me in. And so that's what makes me competitive to uh, a lot of these big uh, consulting companies that I used to work for in the past because my rate is just significantly lower than than um, than what they used to be. And so if they can get me at half the rate and they know that they're getting my expertise, that it makes it very you know compelling for them to come and hire me. With your job, is it only one person? Because like when you're at a company, was it a team or was it just yourself? Because it sounds like your job, like you could do on with one person. Um, it's usually a big team. So there's a lot of stuff that I won't be able to do. Um, so uh, I deal with accounting software, but I wouldn't trust me to balance your books for you, right? I can I can definitely f- try and figure it out, but that's what you hire accountants for. And so like my teams are essentially a compromise of uh, technical consultants, which is myself. I can do some business analysis. Um, I can do uh, some project management, but when it comes to functional expertise, I'm telling people, hey, here's how you should be running your accounting processes. Like, don't ask me, basically. So I need to work with these people. And so uh, a lot of the times, these customers will go and try and find people or a partner. A partner would be like a lot of these large consulting companies to uh, help fill the gaps in order to fill what they need to put in, right? Uh-huh. Um, so I essentially re- always represented um, the customer. So I didn't work for them directly, but I represented my my customers. Is there anything you want to say about business and and just um, you know anything you've learned or you want to share about entrepreneurs just kind of doing their own thing that you've learned um, that you think they should know um, with your with your experience and everything? I think the it's extremely nerve wracking when you're first starting off and you, there's a lot of unknowns. And so one of the things I did was I just asked a lot of questions to other business owners. And like, I was just curious about, you know, the, how everything works, um, the whole accounting process of it, how to write things off. I just found it to be so addictive to learn about small business ownerships and the, the things that you can do uh, within your small business um, you know, things like uh, learning how to write off a portion of your rent, uh, learning how to write off um, uh, like equipment, uh, just being more uh, flexible in things that you can do. Uh, there's going to be times where you're just like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? Like, but you just, as soon as you get past it um, and you get into this kind of rhythm of things of just networking, uh, not making money. And then finally, when you're starting to make money again, uh, it's it's very rewarding and empowering for myself to, as a business owner, to just you know to be able to to do things that I've never really want, uh, never had the ability to do before. Mm-hmm. And when 
like what advice can you give it to people that are struggling right now um or they're in their downtime of of their entrepreneurial life right where there is a lot of hard times that mm-hmm. that people don't see and say, they don't talk, they don't talk about right i would say um be in an everlasting learning cycle like there's an endless amount of knowledge out there and you can spend your entire lifetime trying to learn anything but just always be persistent in your in your search for knowledge right and so i'm always doing research i'm always watching videos i'm always reading up on the next technology and it's important for us to always keep our sharp saw or or our saw sharp sorry uh, because the second that you you know take a step back and you start uh, not doing productive things, then your sharp essentially or your your saw just gets dull, right? So you want to keep that that knowledge going. You want to keep your training up, um, and you know our most valuable asset is what's up here. Uh-huh. Abraham Lincoln said, "It's like if he has four hours to cut a tree. He's going to spend like three hours sharpening the saw or the the axe before he mm-hmm. cuts it, and an hour cutting it down, right? So it's like you have to have this." Uh, constant um like constant learning and also constant planning to just keep on getting ahead because times are changing all the time and mm-hmm. people don't adapt to to new age things those are the ones that are being left behind so um and we see that all the time in the real estate industry like it's, it's a huge uh difference in the old like generation of people that aren't using social media, aren't using tools, aren't using certain things to make life more convenient for their clients um, that are actually becoming redundant because they're mm-hmm. not keeping up with the times and, and just not uh, being as efficient as, as the younger generation is. So. Yeah. I think this, that the whole sharpening of the saw that um, comes from Stephen Covey's uh, seven habits of highly effective people. And that one stuck out to me the most because um, I'm always tinkering. I'm always learning. And uh, I, I just love learning in general, like uh, to pick, pick something up. And I, I'm like, I want to figure out how this thing works. Right. Um, reverse engineering something I always found fascinating. You know, as an engineer myself, like uh, I just find all that stuff fascinating. And so um, if I had all the time in the world, I would actually spend my entire life in school just trying to learn something, right? I, I just find it so fascinating. Yeah, I think evolving and adapting and learning is very critical for business. Um, I don't know how many times for myself I've done so many different things and evolved and learned from it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely taking, the, I've learned for sure to to plan and and organize things now and make sure I know what I'm getting myself into before just jumping into it. I, I'm too old to always just jumping into new things now too, without doing my research too, right? But for sure, learning. I think I think that's something people stop doing after high school if they're in a nine to five job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think as an entrepreneur, you have to keep evolving yourself and learning what the next thing is and how to improve your skills and how to add more value to your clients. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to be yeah. left behind, right? Yeah. And I think that's why I love being a consultant too. Um, I, I constantly have a fire lit underneath my ass, right? Like mm-hmm. if I don't figure this out for them, like what are they going to do? And like, I don't like being complacent either. 
Um, that's why like, I, I just love going to different places, starting a new job all the time because it's, it's something new, right? And I can take all the experience that I've had over the last uh, you know, 16 years and I can apply it in different ways. But the technology stack changes a little bit. So you know, you're, you're constantly in this shifting uh, learning mode all the time for, for each of these places. And you, know, you can never get too comfortable, right? The second that you get comfortable, that's when you start to get lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, 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 and it's easy to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Very it's, easy. It's very easy to get comfortable, <laughs> right? So th- th- that's something I've learned too, is like as an entrepreneur, when you're comfortable, you're not growing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. you got to put yourself in really uncomfortable. Like there's a lot yes. of things I don't want to do, you know, <laughs> but you got to do it, right? Yeah, and it's like, I don't know. I I I find myself with this battle of like trying new things out, even though I don't want to, but just like pushing yourself through that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you just never know if you're gonna enjoy it or not, right? Until you actually try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. I don't know if you yeah, could talk of- about this, but uh, even just us talking about um, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but you uh, talking about Airbnb being your condo and in Calgary. Yeah. Right. That, that was a long conversation for you to finally accept the fact to <laughs> try that out. Right. <laughs> well, that, that whole, that whole experience. And, you know, honestly, I'm having such a good time with it. Like it, it's been working out so nicely for us. Oh yeah. Um, I originally so that, just for those to... that don't know, we, we help Mike manage uh, the, his condo in Calgary as an Airbnb. So, yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I just remember like I, when I saw my condo and I eventually wanted to buy a place in Vancouver and I was like, okay, if I liquidate this, then I can get some money and I can buy a place in Vancouver. Right. And I think that was my original goal. And I just saw how crap the market was doing in Calgary and from compared to the time that I bought it. And then I remember like what I appreciate about both of you guys is just how honest you guys are in terms of, Hey Mike, like you paid this place off. Why do you want to sell? Like we can sell it for you, but it makes more sense for you to, try these different things. Right. And so from my perspective, I was like, okay, you know, I'll take your guys' advice. And so I did some renos and um, we were trying to rent it out. And then I think Jason, you called me one day and you're like, Hey Mike, like, how about that Airbnb thing? And then you guys <laughs> started talking and then, you know, it started making more sense. And like, obviously there's, there was some risk involved in it and I had no idea what to expect. Right. I was thinking, I'm like, man, it's COVID right now. Like this place is going to be like so not busy right now. And so when you offered to pay half the rent, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And that sounds, that sounds nice. Right. And it's something new, right. As we were talking about. And so yes. it's a learning experience for, for myself about how, uh, how the Airbnb market is and you know, what, what the statistics are like. And, you know, since we've opened up, I think we've only had four days of no bookings, but yeah. it's been fully booked. And yeah. like, I was just like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. I, I remember you yeah, totally asked, asked so many questions. <laughs> like, my job. I think we spent hours. Yeah, I get it now. I get, I understand who you are as a person now with all those questions. Cause I was like, we, you asked pretty much every single question and we, we had the answers, right? Mm-hmm. But I knew like, um, you wanted to know everything before getting into that yeah which uh, which i was starting to learn was like yeah if you don't know anything about airbnb it's it's actually very scary 
Mm-hmm. It's like, that's what happened with us. Like when we started, right. Mm-hmm. We asked all these questions and, um, and um, yeah, it was, it was very scary, but you have to do the things you have to do things differently and be okay with that. I, is, I guess what we're saying is like, try things out before it's better to try things out to know than not try things out at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no reward without risk. Right. And yeah. so I, I knew that. Uh, the type of person I am and part of my job is analysis, right? Uh, I like to ask a billion questions just so I have a better understanding of it. And it just provides me with more knowledge. And so that's why I was asking uh, you guys about statistics in terms of like um, of the Airbnb. Because like, that, that to me is very interesting because I love looking at numbers. And yep. to be able to cross-analyze all that type of information because that's just how my brain works, Right. Um, if you, if you just came up to me and say, Mike, we should start up an Airbnb and it's going to be awesome. Right. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> how much, how much money are you going to make? And if you didn't have all those numbers in front of you, I'd be like, no, man, we're not doing this. Yeah. Like, so it's important to do your analysis, your research. And like anything else, like before you buy a TV, I'm sure like you spend like hours reaching, reading and uh, watching videos about that TV, even cell phones. Like I, I, I spent a lot of time researching every day. Uh, I spent a lot of time looking at memes too, but that's, that's a different story, but <laughs> yeah, I think the more due diligence you do and the questions that you ask, and once you kind of figure out the solutions to those problems, it, it also mitigates a lot of risk. Yes. So like, if you don't ask the questions, then it's like when something comes up, you're like, Fuck, I wish I, I figured that out beforehand. Yeah. But, it's like, but at the same time, like it, even if you fail, like you can't look at fail, failing as like a complete failure. You learn from all your failures. And I think the biggest thing about uh, whether it's Airbnb or your own business, like you are going to fail at some point, but you can't take that and let it bring you down completely. You take it, you learn from your failure and then you apply it to how you are and what your business is doing and then make it into a success. Right. That's good advice actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I agree with you 100%. I used to I used to go really hard on myself when I failed. I've had, I've had a lot of not a lot of failed businesses, but um I would say a few failed businesses, right? But I don't even consider it failing now. It's just learning to it's it's things I've learned now to up our real estate game now, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, all these businesses I got into before 30 has like has made me learn so much to to make it happen that like with the YYC real estate group business that it's like less likely to fail. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's 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 definitely what you said. You learn from you learn from your failures and there's no such thing as failure failures, just lessons. Yes. Right? Just just mm-hmm. lessons, right? So and I think that's what people that are too scared to become an entrepreneur or do something that they like um, and they're stuck at their like job or stuck in their position or whatever. They're, they're so scared of failure, Mm -hmm. but, but it just needs to be embraced. Right. Yeah. At the time I was dating someone who I could fall back on. Mm -hmm. And so I had like medical benefits and all that kind of stuff. So that was nice. Um, But when we stopped seeing each other, I was like, okay, well, 
this is this is new, right? No medical benefits, so I got to figure figure this thing out, right? And so, um, you know, it, it's worked out basically, and uh, I have zero regrets at ever becoming self-employed. Like it's one of the best decisions of my life. I find that like um, what you were saying before, like kind of get comfortable when you are working for somebody because you know that like a check is coming in all the time, right? But when you're working on your own, it's like, you don't know when that check is going to come in. So you're like, fuck, I can grind this out, right? Because yeah. it, it goes to be like highs and lows, you know? You're like, okay, I got paid. And then it's like, okay, I'm not getting paid for a while. Like I need to like kind of, you kind of need to pace yourself, right? Yeah. So it's like, that's something that a lot of people don't understand is that they think that they're just constantly going to get paid because you're putting in work. But it's like, mm-hmm. you're putting in work to hedge that you're going to get paid in the next six months. Maybe. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So I think like, um, like if you look at my books, it, it's like a roller coaster because <laughs> uh, during COVID, like I went from like this to like this and it just went down and it was a little scary, but like at the same time, like I'm not traveling for work anymore. Uh, I used to uh, book trips uh, to, like go somewhere and attend some training and I'll just book it for this, for the ability to write off um, some of these expenses, right? Cause you can write off flights you can write off hotels. You can write off um, uh, anything that's related to business purposes if you own your own company. And if I'm attending training, then like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And you can, you know, um, in terms of tax perspectives, like you want to spend money. So that way the government taxes you less. Yeah. And so, I remember my accountant was like, he looked at my books. He's like, Hey Mike, um, you have to spend some money. I was like, what do you mean? I don't, I was like, well, you got to spend some money or the government's going to take it away from you. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't really need to buy anything. Like I already have like three computers. I don't need to buy that. I like never drive my car. So I don't want to lease a car. I'm like, I guess I can get like a cell phone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just bought like a $2,000 cell phone the other day. And I was like, okay, well, there's some money spent there, I guess. <laughs> I was going to say, is that why you were willing to spend as much as you wanted on the Airbnb? <laughs> <place>? <laughs> that that was actually personal income. It's not, it's not through my business, right? Oh. So I would pay myself through my business. And like the reason why I'm not worried about my Airbnb is like, it's not like I don't have money, right? But mm. I wanted to make it, as good as I possibly can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we just so happened to agree on making an Airbnb during Prime Day. So I saved so much money by shopping <laughs> on Prime Day. I think I got everything on crazy sale. And so when I told my friends that I furnished my Airbnb for like $3,800, they're like, what? Yeah. I'm like, how'd you get everything so cheap? I'm like, yo, man, like I, I did a ton of research. I got all this stuff. And like when I, when you guys put it all together and I, you said professional pictures, I was like, holy whose place is this yeah this looks amazing it was totally different oh yeah those before and afters i was like man it's nice what like uh, some paint and some flooring will do for the place yeah yeah well back when i was like i bought that place when i was 22 i think and i thought the darker colors i was like wow this looks so awesome right like the masculine colors and i look at it now after years i'm like it's so dated Right. And yeah. so why didn't I go for a lighter color scheme? I'm like, what was I thinking? Right. But at the time you're you for an orange color scheme. Was it? <laughs> There's like well, orange that, that was the selling point for me at the time. I was like, man, it's so manly. 
and it, it looks it's me right <laughs> so that's what i thought when i was 22 right yeah and then as i as i get older my taste change like first of all i don't wear ed hardy anymore but like do you remember when that stuff was popular man i was all over yeah. that stuff, right like yeah. everything changes over time and so um you know it just becomes dated right uh, ed hardy and uh, what was that the christian artigy or whatever Artige, affliction bon Dutch. Uh, I, I what were work, those jeans? Those what ones. were those jeans everyone was buying? With true those... religions, man. Yeah, true religions. True religions. Religion. I still got like four pairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, any last words you want to say, Mike, with entrepreneurs? This 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 podcast is about entrepreneurs, people building their business, people building their brand. Um, and uh, is there any last words that you want to say to share about? your experience of like the last three years of just going on your own and, and going at, going, going for it. Right. The, the, the big topic that we, that we talked about was kind of this risk thing, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people are afraid due to, you know, there being more risk involved in it, but you know, honestly, once you get going um, and you start all these aspects of it, things will just start to come together over time, but you have to put in the work, right? No matter what the work needs to put in. So if you have to work 12 hours a day, if you have to work 16 hours a day, if you like, you have to put in that effort in order to, to figure it out. Right. So sometimes a customer will come up to me and they'll be like, um, Mike, do you know how to do this? Um, I might look at it and be like, no, but I'll figure it out. And then I'll spend my time, trying to figure out how to solve that problem. So the work needs to be put in. You can't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid of failure either. Take it with a grain of salt and learn from those failures. I think that's the biggest thing I can, I can say you can't, you can't fear failure. Okay. We'll end it at that. Awesome. Thanks guys. Appreciate uh, appreciate this. Yeah. Thanks for coming on Mike. Yeah, how, right. how can people find you, like uh, on media, LinkedIn, or or whatever like that? Uh, they can follow me on Instagram if they want, but then I post a lot of piano and and stupid memes all the time. <laughs> um, also on LinkedIn as well. Um, I don't mind people following me on my social media. It's actually a public account, uh, but I'm definitely on social media. Uh, my nickname is DJ Mad Mikey on Instagram. Uh, I had aspirations at one point in my life to become a, a world-renowned DJ, and that that uh, fell apart within a month, I think. <laughs> that nickname is stuck with me. Um, but mainly LinkedIn. If they want to see me on a pro- more professional side, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Michael Antonio Domingo. Awesome. Perfect. And then on your personal, just uh, DJ, was it DJ? DJ Mad Mikey. DJ Mad Mikey. <laughs> yeah, you post a lot of piano stuff. I do. I'm in front of my piano right now. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I like listening. To that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, All right. We'll, uh, we'll chat soon. We'll okay. chat soon.